the editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Tim Kawakami. Tim Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show, recording from the home studio. Very, very glad to have on uh, as my guest, my friend, one of the one of the greats out there, uh, the athletic senior baseball writer, Fox Sports uh, reporter for their baseball games. Uh, of course, the great Ken Rosenthal. Kenny, how you doing today? Tim, I'm well. Thanks for the kind words. Maybe a little too kind, but <laughs> let's go. <laughs> uh, we just exaggerate on this show no matter what, but it's all good. It's all good. Great to have you on. You know, I was going to slide into this topic because, you know, talk about other things, but it's on my mind. It's going to be on everybody's mind, I think, like every day from now till maybe till the offseason. Shohei Otani having this ridiculous year. I mean, he's stacking things up where, you you know, I was ready to call him the best player in baseball last year. Now he's, what, exponentially better than that, hitting home runs and, and maybe one of the best pitchers in baseball. Shohei Tani, Kenny, as baseball looks at him, as you look at him, is this a trade like wait or is it not? He's going to wait. They're not going to trade him and it's going to come to the offseason and it's going to be a free agent thing. I don't see them trading him, Tim. And they're in contention. They are built to be in contention. Going back to the offseason, they made some moves. During the season, they promoted some young players very aggressively to the major leagues. Guys who were drafted in 2022, last year. Two, two players that were promoted this year. Zach Neto was one of them, Ben Joyce the other. So that tells you where they are. Then they just traded about a week ago or so for Mike Moustakis and Eduardo Escobar. Again, they are pushing. What they want to do, besides get to the playoffs for the first time in forever, is show Otani, hey, we can be a competitive team. We are not this sad sack organization. We are a team that you could be comfortable joining. Now, will they get there as far as convincing him to stay? I don't believe so. They may make the playoffs, but even then, it's a lot to ask. If they get in, they're going to be interesting because of Otani pitching and Sandoval and Detmers has been hot, but they're not trading him. So that's number one. I think we can pretty much rule that out. Even if they collapse the next month, it's a tough thing to do because once you trade him, you're effectively cutting the cord. Yep. So uh, we get to the, you know, it's still teams are going to be positioning themselves for him for the off season. Um, we know they did for judge and all the others last off season. And we know how that went for the giants, but Candy, do you see the giant? I mean, is this little surge of theirs? If it's sustainable, does this put them in a better shape for him? Do you put them on a short list? I know John Heyman from New York Post threw that out there recently. Like they're on the short list, maybe three teams. I don't know if they're going to you know, get a top one and two, but are they within shouting distance of, say, the Dodgers and the Mets or the Padres? Are they, are they on that list? All due respect to John Heyman, he doesn't know who's on the list. <laughs> There's only one guy who knows on the list, maybe two. Shohei Otani is one. Nezbolelo, his agent, is another, and I would put his interpreter, Ipe, on that list maybe as well. But none of us know. And from the other perspective there, if you're asking me, are the Giants a competitive enough team for him to entertain? I would say the answer to that is yes. And what I've loved about the Giants season so far is the incorporation of these youngsters. It's Bailey, it's Schmidt, it's Matos. Now, I know Bailey has been 
out of his mind offensively, which they didn't really expect. And Schmidt and Matos have not been so great offensively, but they've also gotten some help from other rookies as well in the bullpen, Tristan Beck among them. So when you look at them going forward, they still lack, I know, the number one star, the guy you build around and all that, but it's a pretty interesting group. And I like where they are. So, yes, if I were Shohei Otani and I was open-minded to the Bay Area, we don't know what he wants geographically, competitively. We don't know anything. But I don't see any reason why you would rule them out. And I don't see any reason why, from the Giants' perspective, you would not be in this mix or at least trying to be. Do we know how close he might have come to the Giants the first time around? I mean, I, I think they think they were sort of in it. I don't know. You know, they had the DH problem, right? He couldn't have DH'd yes. at that point. Did it almost come down to that issue? Do you know, was it a tangible discussion? I don't know. And the thing about Otani that is kind of cool, but kind of frustrating is he is sort of an enigma. We don't know much of what he thinks. He's a smart guy, clearly. He is someone who has thoughts, but he doesn't share them very often. And I'll just share one thing with you, Tim, just about his intelligence. We know he's a very intelligent player. The Angels people say that all the time. In fact, Phil Nevin says one of the smartest players he's ever been around, maybe the smartest. But I can just go back to the World Baseball Classic. I interviewed him a couple of times on camera live with his interpreter. <laughs> As I would ask the questions, Otani's nodding the whole time. He knows exactly what I'm saying, mm -hmm. but he wasn't going to answer in English because, of course, it's a second language. He didn't want to do something he was uncomfortable with, which is fine. But <laughs> this guy, is, he knows what's going on. He knows what's going on in every aspect of his life. And he will ultimately decide what he is most comfortable doing. The money is going to be there. It's not just going to be there from the Dodgers. Other teams will be willing to give him the money. It comes down to his comfort level, where he wants to be. Is he a guy like in the little stuff? Does he know you? Does he like, you know, is he a guy who's kind of aware who's a national reporter, who's a local reporter? I don't know if we all know that, but do you get a sense that he's that aware of things? I don't know how much he's aware of media people. I, I, that I'm not clear on. Now, I also don't put that rank that very highly in things he needs to be aware of. <laughs> so... But sometimes it's a tip. It's a tip about how yeah, like, he's following things. I, I can't imagine he doesn't know who the beat guys are mm -hmm. because they're there every day. And I think he knows who I am, but I'm not positive about that. <laughs> uh, but again, there is a lot to him. And in a way, he's simple in that it seems that baseball is his main and only interest. But as smart as he is, he obviously has some other things going on inside that head. And ultimately, the choice will be the choice. And that will tell us what he wanted. Does the judge thing with the with the Giants, you know, is it a is it a warning for them? Is it different now, you know, uh, than it was last year with their positioning for Otan? And there's not another free agent even close to him on this market. But just in that conversation, Giants fans get very bothered when they come in second, come in third for these big, big free agents. Um, wh where do you think the Giants stand in that list? Or, like, or trading for somebody they can sign later? That, that sort of kind of marketplace. I don't know. And the judge thing, if I were a Giants fan, I would only be so bothered by it. He wanted to go to the Yankees. It, that was it. And it, it's nothing the Giants did that cost them 
If anything, you could make the argument they were used, but what are they supposed to do? Not bid? Not get involved? I, I just, I don't have much of a problem with that. And Correa, in hindsight, I don't know that you can have much of a problem with that either. The other team, New York Mets, flunked them as well. And it's not like he's setting the world on fire in Minnesota at this moment. So, yes, these are individual circumstances that went against the Giants. If I had a concern as far as the Giants bidding for free agents, I would say right now it's the Bay Area and the perception of the Bay Area. And that's not a knock it's not me sitting here saying, oh, the Bay Area is no good. But certain cities are more appealing to players than others. I worked for a long time in Baltimore. A lot of players have questions about Baltimore because of the state of the city. So that can be a factor. State taxes can be a factor, as we know, and that's high in California. But as far as judge is concerned, none of that really was the reason. It was that he ultimately wanted to go back to the Yankees. Farhan Zaidi has mentioned there are players that just don't consider the Giants because of that, the Bay Area. Yeah. You know, cl- certainly somebody who's living there would would disagree with that, but I understand that it, it is a perception that's out there. Uh, do, you, yeah, do, you, do they just sometimes just start with a list and start chopping names? I would say I, I heard Trey Turner was not signing with the Giants, right? I mean, there are just certain players that were not coming well, to the Giants. Trey Turner wanted to go East. His wife is from New Jersey, so he had a clear preference to go East, and that's because his wife's from New Jersey. There could be a player whose wife is from Palo Alto. I don't know, but that would influence that player accordingly. And even when San Francisco was roaring, right, 10 years ago, for instance, you'd have players. I don't want to play in the Bay. Guys do this stuff all the time. I don't want to play in L.A. I don't want to play in New York. And that's just the way it is in free agency. They have the choice. They work hard, serve their six years to get that choice, and they're entitled to do whatever they want. How do you see the Giants kind of placed in, in this? You know, they, they've got the young players. They are winning more. You certainly see some guys in the minors that they could be bringing up. Do you see them poised? Like, do they do they have to get a superstar? If they don't get a superstar, are, are they on this, like, road to being in contention for a long time? Superstars help. <laughs> There's no question about it. And I did the Cubs this weekend on Fox. They have a nice group of position players, too very similar to the Giants in some respects, but they don't have that guy in the middle. And my gosh, I don't need to tell Giants fans what the guy in the middle could mean, right? They had the the guy for many, many years. So I would still say that in a perfect world, you want an Aaron Judge type. There's not very many of them, of course. In fact, there's only one in his case, but you know what I mean? A solid middle of the order guy who can be someone who dictates opposing strategy. The Giants dictate strategy of the opponent through their platooning to some degree, but it's not the same. It's not the same as, oh my God, we cannot let this guy beat us. And that's ultimately the player you want. So yes, I like what they have and I like what's coming, but at the same time, to complement those kids, you need some veteran players who are going to be real forces. Let's switch over to the great situation involving the A's in Las Vegas. Uh, you have been all over this, all over the commissioner, Rob Manfred. You've been mean to Rob Manfred. I, I want to point that out. He's just such an innocent bystander in all of this. Uh, I've been meaner about Rob Manfred, I should admit. Uh, what's kind of like around, not just Manfred's office, 
but around baseball, do they do they at least acknowledge that John Fisher has not done right by you know A's fans, or that this situation has been a constant failure, just tied to his ownership, or is there like blanket? Okay, we just John Fisher's getting his deal. We're going to take care of him. Depends who you talk to, Tim, and different clubs, different owners have different perspectives. Some of the large market clubs, from my understanding and the conversations I've had, are not happy with this. Not happy that they're still going to be on the revenue sharing lamb. Not happy that they're vacating the sixth largest market. Not happy with the way the team has been run, with revenue sharing dollars in the last year anyway. So those owners, will see how vocal they are when the vote is taken. I suspect that they'll all fall in line as I always do, but maybe not. And this is something to watch. You have other owners who they just want to see this resolved. They think of Vegas as a better market than maybe you and I think of it as. And they know that if you get this resolved, you get Tampa Bay resolved, then baseball expands by two teams. Who knows? Maybe even back to Oakland. And the expansion fees come in and everybody's happy. So it's a wide variety of opinions. The party line from Manfred, as you well know, and everyone else out there knows, we tried, we couldn't get it done in Oakland. Well, you can make the case that certainly they had a long time, Oakland, to get this done or any other area in the Bay Area, but you can also make the case that John Fisher overshot his hand with the city and I think you've detailed all the failures <laughs> of the past. <laughs> a few times, a few very times. Very well. And I would encourage people to go back and read those columns that you wrote because it shows that this group has kind of bumbled their way through for decades. And now here we are. Is it a possible MLB endgame to just get John Fisher Stadium so he sells? Like, Is, is that what they think of? Do they Are, are they that complicated? I don't think they are. And if they thought that way, we would not know it. The one, well, not the one, but one objection I have with Manfred is that he is too much a servant of the owners. Now, that is his job. I get it. But it's almost like a guy, even like John Fisher, oh, well, he's the owner of the A's. What does he need? What does he want? No. How about getting him in line a little bit? But that's not how Manfred operates. And listen, he keeps his job and he's kept it a long time. In in many ways, he has been a successful commissioner. He's made the owners money. But I would say that if I were running this sport, I would want someone other than John Fisher running that team. They can't force that as they could with Frank McCourt with the Dodgers years ago because as incompetent as Fisher arguably has been, you can't make the case that he's just putting money in his pocket like the Dodgers were. It was, it's a different scenario. He is putting money in his pocket, but it's not the same way that McCourt was doing it, which was borderline theft. So I don't see them sell. I don't know. I, I can see him selling after getting to Vegas when the team arguably is worth more. I don't know what his end game is. It's ver- very unclear as he never talks. Yep. And people around him don't know, like literally yeah. don't know. Um, th- there's been a report that they might not stick at the Tropicana site, as you, I'm right. sure you saw, like which would throw away the $380 million public funding vote because they'd have to re-vote because that's specific to that site. It, 
is as it's in flux. Can, when do they take this relocation vote? Can if can they not know, or are they going to wait till they know for sure that this is the deal and he's going to stick with it? You know, I'm honestly not sure about that, Tim. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting about the site because right away, someone who had been in baseball, not in baseball anymore, made the point to me that a nine-acre site for a stadium with a retractable roof, it's not going to fly. And that seems to be the problem. So perhaps they can fix it and, I don't know, figure out some other alternative plan or whatever. But it seems like, to me, it's still not fully resolved. And this is what you warned about? (laughs) That column, Tim, I'm not going to blow your horn unnecessarily here, but that column to me was so prescient because – this has not been a smooth process in Vegas at all. It's gone up and down, up and down, and we'll see how it ultimately ends up. Never bet against John Fisher failing a stadium <laughs> effort. That's just I've just had that ground into me. Good, it's a and, good position to take. And I've never had someone who really is smart and understands the situation disagree. Like they've they've said it might happen, <laughs> but that statement is not wrong. Like you don't the odds are with you when you take that tag. Okay, we got you here. I don't I want to go forever here, but the, with the All-Star game coming up, obviously once that's over, the trade deadline is going to be what everybody thinks about. Are there some big names that you knew you were about some maybe called Paul Goldschmidt, maybe some others, Verlander. Are, are there some names you think are going to kind of be the focal point of the trade deadline as we get towards it for August 1? It's not entirely clear yet. And I've written about Goldschmidt, but Katie Wu, our Cardinals writer, basically shot that down. And even when I wrote about it, I said, this is not what they do. This is what they should do, or at least consider doing. And he's a free agent after next year, and he's going to be 37 by that point. But what they'll probably do, the Cardinals, is trade their potential free agents, Montgomery and Flaherty and Hicks. That's fine. It's not going to get them all that much, but that's fine. The real wild card to me here is the Mets and Steve Cohen, their owner. The Mets' playoff odds are about, I don't know, 12 13% right now. They played a little bit better against the Giants over the weekend. It wasn't like a tour de force, but they won two of three. And... Cohen has said as their owner that he is willing to eat money on contracts to trade even the highest price players. That would be Verlander and Scherzer at $43 million each per year. This is complicated because both have no trade clauses. Both have aspects in their contracts that complicate it further. Scherzer can opt out. Verlander has this conditional player option for 2025 that would have to be accounted for. There are all these things, but... Money is a way of making things happen, right? So if Cohen wants this to happen and would effectively buy prospects in the process, that could really shake up the deadline and make it quite interesting. But it's only, what, July 3rd. They want to see if they can somehow get back in this thing. If you're the Giants, you throw one of your better prospects for, I would say, Verlander over Scherzer just because it seems like he's pitching better. Would you? Are they worth that kind of prospect, a top prospect? Depends how they're pitching. I'd want to be convinced, but if the Mets are paying the majority of the salary, yeah, I think I would. There's your game one, game two starter, right? That's what yeah, I would probably think. And granted, they're both older, and you, you assume that risk. And I'm not sure if Farhan Zaidi would want to assume that kind of risk. It is a risk. There's no question. But at the same time, it's something they would, I would think, need to consider. All right, Kenny. Well, I'm going to wrap this up with a version of a question I ask everybody. Very curious for your answer. 
I'm sure America's curious for this answer. Yeah, Dan, sure. Dan Rosenthal, <laughs> what's your favorite movie right now? Well, it's an oldie, but goodie. Almost famous. Excellent. And it's the Cameron Crowe movie, kind of autobiographical. And part of the reason I like it is because I'm such a mu- I'm a huge music fan, like most of us, of course. And also, it's the young journalist. Mm. Not that he reminds me of myself, <laughs> much more ahead of where I was at that age. But it's just cool, and the story's great, and the movie's great. The performances are great. Of course, I'm dating myself, but that is probably at the top of my list right now. That's a movie that, re- like, when it came out, I didn't think. I mean, I liked it. it, it people were talking about it, but it wasn't a blockbuster. And nope. I didn't feel like this is a one that's going to be talked about for 25 years, but it really has lasted. Like, that's a one that gets brought up a lot. I, I wonder what it is about. Maybe it's the kind of instant nostalgia about it. Maybe it's the writerliness of it. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure either. It's a great story. And that, of course, what you need to start with. But the writerliness might be part of it. I don't know, Tim. I, I, I don't know that. I also like A Few Good Men. I mean, again, I'm dating myself, but you know, nothing so much lately. Like, for instance, uh, these Marvel blockbusters. I mean, they do nothing for me. <laughs> Avatar, Way of Water, Avatar <laughs> didn't do much. <laughs> well, we're not doing a rewatchable, so that's to, to, to borrow from somebody else's podcast. Uh, we would get Rosenthal on the Marvel movies, but uh, everything else has been tremendous. Ken, uh, thanks as always. Read his stuff. I can't believe that you're writing every day on this newsletter. It's unbelievable the TV work you do, the stories you write. Uh, it's impressive. I, I am not one of a minor workload for myself, and I'm impressed more than impressed by the stuff you do so so much uh so much ken rosenthal out there we all want it thank you so much well i appreciate it tim we've known each other a long time man long time. <laughs> so i appreciate all it. time a all right Kenny. Time. we don't want to talk about it <laughs> thank you so much everybody it's ken rosenthal it's the show for today <laughs>